You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Well, we're in a series. Anybody remember what it is? Entrain, because I totally forgot and I just needed to. No, I'm, we're up to speed on it. How many of you are in training with us? There she is, Christine and your little baby there. Welcome them this morning, would you? <laughs> Bless you. We love you guys. We are in training. Say, I'm in training. And I won't take a lot of time on this, but there's so many things we've been trying to do that we're going to do way better to train to do. I think we've been trying to be nice. We've been trying to be good. We've been trying to overcome. And uh, if trying would get it, we would have already got it. But we're training. And, and, and really, the main purpose of Scripture and also one of the main uh, uh, elements that the Holy Spirit wants to be involved in is training in our lives and helping us. Uh, Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel and make what? Disciples. Not just churchgoers. Not just uh, right wing somethings. Disciples. And a disciple is a disciplined follower, a disciplined learner. And that's what we are. There is some discipline involved in this church. There is some discipline involved in this. If you've been taught that it's all grace and you don't have to do anything, you've been taught wrong and you need to just crack your Bible open and start, start to read. Uh, there is what I call reciprocal covenant responses that there's some things that you do. And there's some things that God does. You draw near to God. He will draw near to you. You call upon the name of the Lord, he'll answer you, he'll save you. I mean, it's all over the place. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. We're not trying to earn something. This is not works. Spiritual disciplines that we're talking about here are actually the steps that we take in the path that take us into more and more of God. And as we'll see in a moment, his presence, his power, and his, and his wisdom. So one of the disciplines that we've looked at is study. And uh, coming out of that, that's why for the next couple of weeks on Wednesday nights, and if you don't normally come on Wednesday night, these are your Wednesday nights to start coming because this is going to be very, very important. Um, I just felt that I was to expand on that and show you how to study. Now, the discipline of study involves this, to read, study, to hear, to meditate. It in, includes all those things. But where a lot of people are hung up is they don't know how to study the word of God, and it's going to help you so much. Uh, Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What happens, a lot of people don't know how to rightly divide it, and they end up with some squirrely, squirrely stuff because they never applied themselves in the discipline of study. And also part of that is hearing as well. So, and you're here, you're hearing, and, and we're teaching, and that's going to help you as well. So, uh, initially... My goal with this series was just to tell you that you ought to do these things, but that's a nightmare to leave church knowing that you should do something. I should be doing this, but you don't know how. So what we're doing is showing you the how and the what to do. And uh, that's why we're taking the bulk of the summer to really focus in on, uh, in training. Now, last week we began talking about prayer and I'm going to continue on that. Uh, today and also next week. Uh, let me give you the definition that we're using for prayer. Prayer is conversing and communicating with God. Now, I told you that about a week ago, I was pondering, meditating on that, that prayer is conversing and communicating with God. 
And my word that rose up inside me was, wow. Wow. Everybody say, wow. And I want you to slow down enough that you start to really think about it. Prayer is actually, I get to converse and communicate with God. Say it with me. Wow. Wow. Now, as we go on with prayer, let me just boil this down the best way I can. When we're involved in prayer, things change. We're involved in prayer in the right way. Things change. We're involved in prayer in the right way. We change. And every time you get an answered prayer, and that's what I'm wanting to get you going, because once you start to get answered prayers, once you start to get, you're going to want to pray about everything instead of all the other ways that we've been trying to handle things. You're going to want to pray and you'll have real confidence in that great joy. Uh, Jesus talked about even that, you know, that you could pray and that you could ask and then Father would answer and your joy would be full and that you start to grow and, and learn in those kind of things. But the bottom line for every person on this planet, ever been on this planet, ever will be on this planet, this is the bottom line issue right here. Who is your source? Who is your source? Now, the Sunday school answer that we all know is, who is your source? God. God is our source. But is he your source? Because if during the week, when you're not here and you know the right answer to give, and a situation comes up, do you go to God? Or do you start worrying? Or do you call your three friends? Do you go online, dear Abby and dear Oprah and whoever, to, to find out what to do? And, you know, I just don't want and just go inward and worry and fret and get angry and, you know, and looking everywhere else, the government, your mama, and it, who really is your source. And that's what we've got to boil down. And what happens is prayer connects us with God as our source. Every time that you pray, unless you're just mindless about it, every time you pray, you're acknowledging God as your source. How many of you are going to eat lunch today? What are the rest of y'all doing? Dude, I can hardly wait. I have a good, uh, I've thought about just every head bowed, every eye closed, and I got this cordless mic, see how far to go, you know, start heading toward lunch. I like lunch, okay? It's a a great blessing in my life. Uh, But when you go to pray for your food, and actually Deuteronomy teaches us that once you are, have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord. Maybe it'd be a good practice that we thank him at the beginning and at the end. And I suggest you pray over your food, you know, especially if you don't know who cooked it. <laughs> or maybe because you know who cooked it. Or maybe because you don't know what it is. Pray over it. I've done that on the missions field before. Lord, whatever it is. But when you're doing that, when you do that, right, you know what you're acknowledging? You're acknowledging God as source. Lord, thank you for providing this food. You're acknowledging him as your source. And he's your source for everything. In him we live and move and have our being. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The Phillips translation says this. There's never even the slightest hint of inconsistency with him. And he's our source. He's our source. He's our source. Without him, you have nothing, know nothing, are nothing, can do nothing. He's our source. I said he's our source. And what happens through prayer is we connect with God as our source. 
And then when we're connected with him through prayer, he provides for us and forgive my shorthand today, but he will provide his presence. He will provide his power. He will provide his wisdom. And that's all you need. No, I need grace and peace. They're all found in here. I need forgiveness and help. They're all found in here. It's his presence. It's his power. It's his wisdom. And if you have those, you have what you need. And those things will produce in you four other things that we've kind of summarized. And let me go ahead and put it here. High school. Football. Which is just shorthand for what? That we would be happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed. And so when we're connected to God as source, he's our source. And we connect through the discipline of prayer. We're going to experience more and more of God's presence, his power, his wisdom in our life. It's going to produce in us. This produces in us. We've tried to be happy. We've tried to be stable. And as I said earlier, if if trying would do it, we would have it. But it's produced when we're plugged into the source in the right way. That it will produce and you will be more happy, more stable, more fruitful and blessed. And the ultimate goal of that is you will be what? You'll be a blessing. And this, I know that's sideways. And you're not going to be a blessing unless you're plugged in with the source. Amen. Forgive the mess there, but I'm going to auction that off later. It's a work of art. Amen. All right. Let me talk to you about two motives of prayer real quick. And then we're going to get into some, some things so, so useful for you. First of all, the first motivation of prayer is what I call reactive or situational. And that is something comes up and you, you go to pray. You react to the situation, you respond to the situation and you pray. When you hear about something, when something happens to you, uh, when you hear a siren, you should pray. You, You know, you shouldn't just perk up ears. You should pray. God help whoever needs help and help those that are helping pray over those situations. When you hear the news, you should pray. You know, the news is getting crazier and crazier. It's like people are coming unglued and you know, Norway, just horrible mess. You need to pray because listen, the church with the Holy spirit, part of the reason the church is in the earth today is to hold back lawlessness. And part of that is going to be through us praying. Don't just watch everything happen. Pray that these things don't happen. You hear me? And when you see things like that, pray and let's stand. Because I'm going to tell you what, at the rapture of the church, when the Holy Spirit removes himself and removes the bride of Christ, when we go out of there, there's nothing holding back lawlessness at that point. And so stop watching everything happen and start pray. And that's one of the reasons we've got to get this as a, as a discipline. When you hear the news, you should pray. When you hear things like, this is a tragedy to me. That, and let me back up on this. And if you're all religious and self-righteous in your heart and you don't have the love of God in you, you'll miss this. Okay, what I'm about to say. But yesterday we heard news of a, a very talented, very lost young lady, Amy Winehouse. Who died. And some people, and, and let it not be a meadow broker, okay? Well, you know, she had that coming and you live that way and blah, blah, blah. Where is the love of God? It's just tragic. She had a gift from God and was very lost. And that's what the devil loves to do, 
to just destroy lives. You need to pray for her family. You need to pray for other people that are in that system and that machine that just eats up people. You need to pray and not just stand in judgment. <laughs> Since winter, we judge as anything. You know, let the love of God, it, it should hurt you. It should hurt you and you should, you should pray. Amen. And I'm not, I'm not condoning lifestyle or lyrics or anything else. It's a person that God made and put a huge, unique gift in there. You know, can you imagine her leading a worship conference? I mean, with modifications. <laughs> Amen. But prayer, reactive prayer, situational prayer. I, I said it last night and then well, I said it first service this morning too. It, you should be like a gunslinger and your, your guns are prayer. You know, and it's like as things come up. I mean, you should get that good. Y'all with me? And that's reactive prayer. And and that's very important. But that's not what I'm really teaching about right now. What I'm talking about now is the discipline, the practice of prayer. It's almost like scheduled. It's like part of your life. It's something you do. Uh... It's a vital part of your life. And that's what we're talking about here with this type of prayer. Now, I'm going to give you some principles. I'm not going to give you really steps. I'm not going to give you a checklist. Jesus said that the Pharisees put burdens and weights on the shoulders of people. And I don't want to do that. But I read something recently and it gave me a little bit of insight maybe into the Pharisees. How many of you know about the Pharisees? Okay. Letter of the law. What did Paul say? The letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. The spirit of the law gives life, but the letter of the law kills. You got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. But what were the Pharisees really after? They were just after helping people to do something, but they went overboard. So for example, the Sabbath, you keep the Sabbath. So what did they do? They added to the law. At a ratio of about 600 to 1 oral law over the written law. What did they add to it? Can only take this many steps because we're going to keep the Sabbath. And you can't pick up that tool. And you can't do this. And you can't go that. And you can't have this. And you can't do that. And what they did, they added like 600 oral law to the one law. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Now, the goal was application, I think. Was application. And I believe that's what I try to do all the time is to help you to apply it. The proof of learning is application. And then when you apply it, then you get, you're a doer and then you get blessed. But what I don't want to do is be a Pharisee and give you so many things to do that it takes the spirit out of it. And it's just law and letter to you. And it's like, okay, I'm going to pray. Step one and step two. I can't remember step three, you know, and, and then it'll just kill your prayer life. So I do want to give you some principles that need to be a part of the elements that need to be in this. And I'm going to give you an acrostic. And I ran across this probably 20 years ago and teach it from time to time. And we're going to unfold this this week and next week. Okay. So follow this for and it acts ACTS. A is adoration. C is confession. T is thanksgiving. S is supplication. And I'm going to give you one more S too next week in spirit so that you know how the Holy Spirit will help us in prayer. And we'll talk more about that. But today I want to start 
And we're going to do the first three of these. Adoration. Everybody say adoration. Adoration is huge. It has to do with our approach to all of this. I do not want your prayer life to end up being a business transaction. Holy God, it's me. Let's work this out. Let's talk this out. You know, have your people contact my people. No, there's, there's adoration. Again, this is a privilege that we come to him and we need to adore him. Adoration means love and respect deeply to revere. Jesus said in Matthew 15, quoting from Isaiah, he said that these people draw near to me with their lips and and essentially lip service, but their hearts are far from me. So in vain, they worship me. Now get this, their hearts, the Greek says are distant from me. So you can say the right things and do the right things. But if your heart is distant or far off, then it, it wasn't worth anything. So, and the Greek also implies that that far off, that distant is, it's so far off that it's not even facing the right direction. And that's the last thing that we want to do is go through the motions and be religious and do, you know, regimented ritual. We want to have our hearts. Y'all with me? We want to have our hearts in there and get this principle. Your heart cannot be in what your mind is not on. That's one of the reasons why I'm constantly going, Hey, over there, over here, we're preaching, we're teaching, we're learning to get you in here because your heart can't be in what your mind is not on. And if you're, remember last week, I told you that when you go to pray, your thoughts are like monkeys jumping around in the banana trees and you got to kind of bring them all together. You got to take some time, settle them down. Remember this, that your speech centers dominate your brain. You got a thought going around. You want to overcome that thought, speak something. And once you engage your speech centers, it will overcome that thought. So one of the things to do as you settle into prayer are words of adoration that you would start to just talk of God and of his wonders and of his ways and just, and, and force yourself to do it. Maybe the first couple of things you say, maybe your heart isn't even there yet, but you're directing yourself in the right way and you're making the stinking monkeys calm down and just start heavenly father, wonderful Jesus, creator, God, everlasting father. You just start to do that. I'm telling you, you'll start to bring yourself right down to it. You'll get your mind on it. You'll get your heart in it, but then it also needs to be words of adoration, adoration, And that you actually speak these things out about who he is and what he has done and what he is able to do. Speak those things out. Um, When you adore something, I'm this way. If I adore something, I have to say it. You're that way too. You see a little baby, what do you do? You know, there's some expression. I, I remember back in second grade, I liked this girl. I had to tell her. At that point, I couldn't text her. They had no idea what that was, but I wrote her the classic note. I like you. Do you like me? Check one. Yes or no. Please check. Yes. This is Timmy G. I had to tell her y'all. And I remember in fifth grade, my parents had divorced. We'd moved to a new school and the most beautiful girl in the world sat right in front of me. And she had all this long hair. 
and she'd flip it back and it'd be on my desk. I nearly failed school. Sometimes I just reach up and just kind of hold her hair. I love you. <laughs> she go, what? Nothing. <laughs> Forget all that. When you adore something, you say so. And if you'll just focus in on God, he's been so good to you, so wonderful. What he's done, what he is doing, what he's able to do, who he is. Just start to say, uh, we, I had to be in Naples for a couple of days this past week for AFCM conference that we were down for. And the place we stayed was right by the beach. And I got to tell you that we watched, we witnessed one of the most beautiful, honestly, one of the most beautiful sunsets I have ever seen in my life. It was incredible. And we walked the beach and saw part of it. And then we went back to our room and went out on the little, little balcony and just watched it. And I'm just, I'm just amazed at this creator who he's never changing yet ever changing and it's never the same and it's so fabulously beautiful i mean how many times did we were just ooh and ah and this is beautiful and and, and i i told alicia out of romans one it says the invisible attribute the the invisible attributes of of our invisible god are clearly seen in what he has created and just to adore the lord it's a big part of worship don't make this a business transaction Y'all with me? All right, let's move on here. Second is confession. Confession. Confession means to acknowledge, to admit. What are we talking about? Sin and wrong in our life. How many of you have ever sinned since 11th grade? I want to give you plenty of margin to be honest, okay? Okay. We sin and sin typically is kind of outward, but there's another issue. Okay. And it's called iniquity and iniquity. First two letters is in, and we do stuff outward and we do stuff inward. And I'm so glad that y'all do more inward than you do outward. Because if all of us did outward, what we do inward. Oh, come on. You get cut off by somebody in the grocery line and inside you like, I'll kill you. I pour this milk all over you. And they smile at you. Praise the Lord. What's that? That's iniquity. It's inside. It's inside. And then transgression is outside. It's just outward things that we do. And you know, we've got to confess it to God. We go to talk to God. Listen, and I'll give you a clue about this. He already knows. So it's like, well, I don't want to tell God. I don't want to upset him. I don't want to disappoint him. He already knows. But what we've got to do is get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. First John 1, 9. If we confess, if we admit our sins, he is ticked off. No, read it. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what we need. And don't hide your guilt. Just come before a holy God who already knows your condition, sent his son because of our condition, shed his blood because of our condition, so that we could have the new and living way by his blood, so that we could come and, and get forgiveness. But the forgiveness happens because we confess it. We admit it. 
Because again, He is our source. You cannot change what you will not confess. It's very important that we admit it. In Psalms, uh, Psalms 32, verse 3 through 5, if you have unconfessed sin, it's going to kill your confidence. I'm not going to read all the verse right now for the sake of time, but it'll kill your confidence. You'll feel the heavy hand of God on you. Your creativity won't be there. Your joy won't be there. Your sparkle won't be there when you have unconfessed sin in your life. You got to confess it and get it out. The other thing is it will block answers to prayer. It will block blessings from God. Listen to just a couple of verses. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. In Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Everybody say the Lord can save. Nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Say the Lord can hear. Verse 2. But... Your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And so we cannot lie and pretend that we don't have sin and guilt. It's just good to just come and say, God, I adore you. I love you. And and I'm shortening this, of course, a lot. But say, and Father, I confess to you. I had a bad attitude about this. I got out of line with that. I, I said what I should not have said there. And all the other stuff that I'm not even sure of. I'm sure I've come short. And I confess it to you. And I thank you that you're faithful and you're just. And because you're faithful and just, I'm forgiven. And I'm cleansed. And I thank you there's nothing between me and you. And that's a beautiful, oh, that's where joy comes from. Is to have that. Now don't wait. Don't just keep a list, you know, and every Tuesday... You know, you, you go to God as soon as you're aware of it, as soon as you are convicted of it, you know, right then, you know, get back to God. Amen. Now, let me go to the third one. We're going to spend a few moments on this. Thanksgiving. Thanks what? Thanks. Giving. We're giving thanks. We're expressing gratitude. Um, there's a Hungarian proverb that says, he who doesn't appreciate the small things doesn't deserve the big things. I told you years ago, I was sitting in a, uh, dentist chair, the dentist office, obviously. And there's a little sign on the wall. This is in my book playing for keeps too. I saw this little sign on the wall and it says only floss the teeth you wish to keep (laughs) from that day forward. I have flossed. All my teeth. I didn't go, I don't know, this one, uh, no, no, all of them. And I just kind of translated that over. Only thank God for the things you wish to keep. And I think Thanksgiving needs to be a big part of our life so much so. Has God been good to you? No, no, let me, has God been good to you? I didn't say that you were walking square and everything right. Has God been good to you? Absolutely. So this is what I believe. These, let this be some Meadowbrook manners for all of us here. Do not even speak to God unless you thank him for at least three things. It, it wouldn't be hard at all for us to come up with three things every time you talk to him to thank him. I notice most of y'all are breathing here today. You grateful for that? You grateful? Well, I'm not breathing like I used to. You're breathing. You're breathing. 
You know, and there's so many things that we can be, how many of you are going to eat again? There it is, food again. How many of you are going to eat again at some point this weekend? Guess what? Thank him, thank him. How many of you used to be, you used to were headed toward hell and now you're not going to hell. You're going, you thankful for that? For his peace, for his blessing. Thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him. And I just think it's rude on the highest level to go to almighty God, who is our source and not thank him and just run in there. Hey, Jesus, you know what I need? Scoot yourself right on back out there and let's enter in the right way. Psalm 100 verse four says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. In the message Bible, it says this, enter with the password. Thank you. Enter with the password. Thank you. What's the password? Thank you. Enter with the password. Thank you. Now I need to take just a moment. I'm going to try to do this as brief as I can. Okay. Ephesians in chapter five, verse 19 and 20, it says this, and this is a doctrinal thing that I want to make sure that we're squared, squared away on. Okay. Let me say this first. Wait, just a second. How many of you know that God is sovereign, but sometimes the sovereignty teaching negates the word. And our sovereign God has limited himself to his sovereign word, sovereignly. With that in mind, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. And watch this. And give thanks for, everybody say for, give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, hold on. I have a real problem with that verse. I don't think we should thank God for everything. Well, pastor, the Bible said, thank God for everything. Well, let's look at it a little bit closer. And first of all, let me, let me get you on my side on this. Okay. And then we'll show you what the word really says here. Uh, when I've had misfortune happen in my family, I did not thank God for that. If you've had the doctor diagnose you with something bad, you don't thank God for that. You get in a car accident, you don't get out of your car and go, praise the Lord. Thank you, God, for this. Doctor says you've got some serious illness. You don't walk in. Thank you, God, that I have this. Something horrible happens to a family member or, or something. Thank you, God, for this. You know, you step on a nail or something. You don't go glory to God for this. Matter of fact, you're fighting saying other things. I just don't think we're wired to thank God for everything. Yet some of the sovereignty teaching that you embrace everything and you thank him for everything. And I don't think that's right. So this is giving thanks for the word for there in the, in the Greek is the Greek word hooper, H-U-P-E-R. And it means this, this is going to help us here. It means over, above, beyond, more than. So let's put that in context. You have a bad situation. I don't thank God for that. I thank God over that. You hear me? I thank God above that. First Thessalonians 5.18 says in, it's like during everything, give thanks. And we thank God that he's with us. We thank God that he will help us. We thank God, I will learn. I will grow. 
I will gain from this. But what was meant for evil, you are able to turn for good. I'm thanking you that you'll get me through this. But I think, I think you need to be very careful and separate out what God is doing, what God is allowing, and what the enemy is doing. And be careful then what you embrace. Because if you're not careful with that, you're going to give permission to the enemy of your soul to plunder your life. You're going to welcome the intruder and the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Because if you think, I'm supposed to thank God for everything, then that's like an intruder coming into your house. And you're saying, can I get you some juice? Let me get you an extra pillowcase to put stuff in. And I help you load it. No, you've got to be careful that when things come to you that are, quote, evil. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this. God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Follow me on this. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. The word evil there is the Hebrew word ra. Everybody say ra. And it's evil, and it means misery, affliction, pain, calamity, misfortune. God said, my intentions towards you are peace, not of misery, pain, affliction, calamity, evil. I want to give you a future. I want to give you hope. I want to bring peace, shalom. I want to bring wholeness into your life. That's what I intend for you. Proverbs eight thirteen says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Evil there in the Hebrew is the word kra. It's the same thing. Misery, affliction, calamity, misfortune. I hate it. I hate cancer. I I can't understand people saying, thank God for my cancer. Thank you, Lord, for cancer. No, I hate it. But I'll thank God over it. I'll thank God above it. I'll thank God that he's with me. That he'll help me. I hate it when people we love die. I hate when things go wrong. Don't tell me that you love it. Don't tell me that you're truly grateful when everything comes undone and falls apart and misfortune happens in your life. Don't even tell me. Because if in your private moments you're thankful for that, you are mixed up. And we need to understand that God is good, devil is bad. Amen. Amen. And he said, the thoughts that I think towards you, the intentions that I have for you are of peace, not evil. I want to give you a future and I want to give you a hope. That means that even when I have evil, I have a, also have a future and I also have a hope. And Thanksgiving is a huge part of this. Enter with a password. The password is thank, thank you. But let's make sure that we're not embracing the enemy, not embracing the attack of the enemy because we're confused and we think somehow God wants that for us. God can use things. And what was meant for our, for evil, for bad for us, God can turn for good. And we will learn and we will develop perseverance and patience and character and so forth. We will. But let's embrace the right thing in the right way and let's embrace God and let's thank God over. Thank God above Thank God beyond this situation here. I'm not thankful for this, but I'm thankful. I'm blessed, but this is not blessing me. And I'm thankful that you will help me. I'm thankful that you will be with me, that you will see me through, that I'll come out of this with good because all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Amen. God is our source. 
Don't stay disconnected. When one of the best ways to connect with God is through prayer, the discipline of prayer. Be a sharpshooter throughout the day. Be a gunslinger throughout the day as things come up. Pray about those things. But make prayer a daily part of your life. Make sure it includes these things of adoration, of confession, and of thanksgiving to the Lord. I'm going to stop right there. We'll pick up more on this next week. Did you get anything at all out of this this morning? Thank you, Lord.